Hello, Internet. This is GeniusCast with Scott and Mike. I'm Scott. He's Mike. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And Scott, you can't see me right now, but I'm doing a fantastic Bruce Lee impression. Uh, well, it's probably it's probably not as good as my Ryu Singbum impression, but uh, I'll I'll still give you a little bit of credit for that. There so. are there are laughing giggle emoticons on my screen right now. You just can't see them. <laughs> Dealer Nuna's cracking up somewhere. She's like, "Why am I laughing?" Because of us. So uh, Mike can be followed on Twitter at Michael Botta B O T T A. I'm at who is Scott Green. Uh, as always, we'll be spoiling everything that's ever happened on The Genius prior to episode 11 of season 4, so if you are not caught up on the show, uh, do not listen. And I'll say that also, if anybody's sitting in the hospital cafeteria with me, I don't see anybody, but if anybody here has not watched The Genius, go watch it. There's nobody in here. I'm in the hospital cafeteria, because, uh, by the way, because my daughter was born yesterday, so uh, I, might be, I might be crazy for doing this today, but uh, if you've watched the episode, I think you know just how much it needs to be talked about. And uh, um, I've been I've been pretty good to uh, to my wife and to my two year old, so I think I've earned uh, the right to do a podcast about a Korean celebrity reality game show that uh, was uh, already broadcast like almost a week ago. That's it's fair. true. And and Scott, congratulations on adding your new daughter Dongmin to the family. No, 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 no. We were actually going to name her Kyungran Nuna Green, uh, but it was too Jewish, so. <laughs> So her name is Jordan Zoe Green, and she's just gorgeous, and I love her, and all the cliches. And, I mean, that you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's wonderful. But uh, uh, all right. So that being said, uh, we also have a special guest on the podcast today. Well, um, we have a guest on the podcast today. Special is subjective. Kaz, how you doing? Uh, I'm great. Uh, hello, Youngs. I am certainly not special, and uh, really anything can it can't compare to you podcasting just after you've had a child. So I appreciate your commitment to the genius. It is very, very much appreciated. I did once call into uh, Sports Talk Radio in Chicago from my honeymoon in, uh, in Maui. So uh, um, there is some precedent for this. Um, and the fact that I'm still married five years later tells you that my wife has a high tolerance for me being me. So uh, yeah, that, yeah, she must be a saint. That is a loving woman. Yeah. So uh, Kos Kozrowski, why don't you tell everyone, first of all, tell them your Twitter handle. Uh, my Twitter handle is I am the cause K O S. It's I am the cause. And tell them why we want to talk to you about anything. Um, that's do? a good question. I'm still trying to figure that out. Of course. I actually was I was trying to find a nice way to ask you like why did we ask you to be on the podcast? So I just thought I'd go for it. Uh, no, I, it's certainly an honor to be on with you guys. You're doing great work. Uh, I'm just a uh, lowly genius fan who uh, has really enjoyed the hell out of this season. And uh, I, I guess I was recently on RHAP making, uh, I guess, one or two genius references every five seconds, something like that. So, that was pretty uh, great. You even so, got Rob to do it by mistake when he, he uh, was talking about switching something that had been one way he wanted a different way, and he said he wanted to change up. So that was uh, he snuck one in there, too. Yes. <laughs> And cause I think I, I first heard from you on some fantastic Dom and Colin podcasts, so I know you're another big strategy game fan, and it is great to have you on. Yes, thank you. It's uh, it's always fun uh, podcasting with people who kind of see the strategic element of these games, and that's what's so perfect about the genius. This really is the ultimate strategy game. It's still got the so social aspect too, but it's just it's such an incredible show, and I, I'm really excited to be talking about it this week. And you used to be a professional poker player, is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Uh, were you, did you live in Vegas, or where were you? Did you play online, or, or tell us a little bit about about that? Yeah, I was. Uh, I lived just south of Vegas in Arizona, about two hours away. I would go up to Vegas about once a month, but uh, I was an online pro for the most part. 
uh, for, I guess, about four, four and a half years until Black Friday hit in 2011, and then I had to go get a real job. But, uh, yes, I think the poker is a big reason of what it brought me back into Survivor and Big Brother, and that's kind of what led to the genius. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of that, uh, you know, the similar brain. And Scott, I know you're a poker player as well. And yeah, I, think, I just got uh, my money back from Full Tilt a couple months ago. So, uh, oh, congratulations. Yes, quite a wait. Did, did you get yours? I did. It, uh, it took three years from Black Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, I when Black Friday hit, I I just counted the money as as gone. So exactly. It's it was it felt like a bonus, even though as uh, uh, Teddy KGB would say, they're paying me off with my own money. So yes, but it still feels nice to get back. So uh, yeah, the uh, I think the poker lends itself to uh, these kind of games for sure. I think it's sort of the similar mindset you have to have, and I think that's probably why we enjoy it so much. You got to shake off your losses. I mean, it's in the genius as in poker. You know, if you lose a hand, you take a bad beat. You know, if you're going to go on tilt, if you're going to let it affect you emotionally, uh, you're going to be making bad decisions, and and you're going to you're going to lose. You're going to blow it all. And and so I think that mindset um, is a big help, both in like playing these games as we're seeing Vanessa Rousseau do on Big Brother this season, but also in thinking about it. I think just being able to take that dispassionate approach that you need if you're really going to make take a serious shot at at playing these games, poker or the Genius or Big Brother or whatever, if you're playing to win. So. Or you could be like K-Hound, and you could just lose most main matches on purpose so you can play in the death match. That way it doesn't fun. affect you emotionally. Yeah, because they're fun. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, and I, I think I talked about this in the podcast last week, but, like, all I ask from players on reality shows is that they, they take their best shot as they see it to win. Even if it's a bad shot, even if they're wrong about how best to win, like, I want to see them take that take that shot. Like like Brad Culpepper is a great example on Survivor of a guy who like he was terrible at the game and he didn't know what he was doing, but you you can't say he wasn't trying to win. And I think that like watching people's objectives like crash into each other is is what really makes these games fun. So um, one more thing I want to talk about before we got into it today. Um, and maybe maybe we'll have time to talk about it later. Maybe we won't in a little more detail. But um, I've been thinking for a long time about the black and white game, which looked like a lot of fun to play. And I've wanted to play it, um, but if you want to play it like they play it on the Genius, you need Dealer Nuna to read the tiles and tell you who won. So um, I'm a professional magician. I've been applying my magic brain and trying to think, like, is there a way to play the black and white game uh, without Dealer Nuna, with just two players? And I actually came up with a way uh, to make the card self-reading uh, without getting into the method too much. Uh, uh, Mike and Kaz, I showed you guys both earlier how it works. I mean, it's it's legitimate, is it not? Definitely. Yeah, I was very impressed. Yeah, so uh, I have a Kickstarter. The game is called Deduction, um, and it the it plays a little differently. It's got ten cards, so it's zero through nine, and it, it, the zero beats the nine. But other than that, all the the higher cards win every round. You could actually take out the nine cards and play it the exact same as the black and white game. Um, and then I also have uh, Racing Stripe, which is uh, very similar to Monorail. In fact, you could play Monorail with the Racing Stripe cards, but there are some additional like three-way and four-way pieces, and there's more of the straight on one side, bend on the other pieces. Um, than they had on the Genius. So uh, those games, Deduction and Racing Stripe, and you can reach the Kickstarter via a shortcut I've set up on my own website. You can go to thegreatscott.com slash games. That's T-H-E-G-R-E-A-T-S-C-O-T-T dot com slash games. And uh, the games are $15 a piece, or you can get them both for 25 bucks, which is a really good deal. Um, the way Kickstarter works, for those who don't know, uh, you pledge the, the Kickstarter, so you, you put up your 15 or your $25, and then only if we get enough people in on the Kickstarter, 
does your card get charged? And if that happens, then you know, then you get your games. And if we don't get enough people, then you're charged nothing, and you've signed up and you know tried to help, and you get you get like credit for that from me. But uh, it's it's a lot of fun. You got to get on board so we can get these cards made because uh, you know then you can start playing the genius at home. So that's my plug, and maybe we can talk more about that later. But that being said, um, <laughs> there's our advertisement for the episode. You guys ready to get into episode eleven? Let's do it. Yes. All right. Here we go. All right, well, we start with one of these awesome beginning of the episode, uh, like, like here's what's at stake today montages. We had a good one last week with the final four, which I think they did just because they knew they were losing Jinho, but today we saw, like, which final two will we get? Um, and uh, uh, we had uh, Kyung-hoon versus Gunman, like, the two young bucks. They're friends, they're enemies, they're frenemies. Will they or won't they make out this episode? Um, and they did, actually, at the end, which was very sweet. Uh, will it be K-Hound and Dong and the Kingslayer against the final king? Yes, yes it will. Or will it be the rematch of Dongman vs. Hyunmin? No, no, because it will be the other one. That I yeah, said and, and I really appreciated this, and it goes back to something we talked about on the podcast a couple weeks ago, which was that they were set up really nicely with the people who were left. There was good backstory for pretty much every possible combination. And I know we'll get to it, but we got to an excellent potential backstory for the finals. And also, like, I mean, not to pat myself on the back too much, although, I mean, what the hell, it's been a pretty good couple days, um, that, uh, you know, from the, from the edit, like it seemed for a few weeks like we were headed towards Dongman and Hyunmin pretty much since around the time when it seemed like they would have known who the final two were. Um, Hyunmin and Jinho and, and Jun Seok were like fading into the background of the edit at that point, and we were really seeing a lot of Dongman and a lot of Kyunmin. And so it seemed at that point, it, it made a lot of sense, but like just thinking about the journey that Kyunmin has taken, even to get to the final three, you know, when you look back at just just how horribly in that first episode and he's sitting there in that room with his hand in, in with his head in his hands and and he and Yoan are just like uh uh and you know Yoan's gone the next episode and and here's Kyunghoon such a big threat that Dongmin ultimately choose decides he'd rather play 12 Jangi against the guy who beat him last time than face Kyunghoon so well I don't know if I buy that and I'm sure we'll get to it but I do think it's interesting that Kyunghoon basically had the worst start you could possibly have to this game and really, even in the third episode, he screws up pretty badly. But as soon as he goes to the death match, death match with Sangman, everything changes. And it really is like he takes over Sangman's mind and body. And ever since then, he's been this incredible player. I mean, yeah, he's made plenty of mistakes, but he's just been a death match whore. And it's been super impressive to watch. And just the transformation has been incredible. I came in kind of not expecting much of anything. I think uh, pretty much everybody expected him to be the least likely winner, and now I am rooting for him incredibly hard. So I really hope he can take this thing down. Yeah, I don't know that he was, for me, the least likely winner. He was certainly low on the list. But uh, you saw in his, in his limited exposure in Season 3, like you saw his, his fire for the game. Uh, you saw him... You know, even in even when he got eliminated in episode two, he was working hard. He was he was offering bribes to Dongmin and Ayoung, and he was he was really putting it all out there. Like he was he was playing hard. He won the first main match, granted, in a way that was stupid socially for him, um, but uh, he he was playing pretty hard in episode two. And his big mistake was in uh, passing the bet to or passing the the choice for rock paper scissors to Lawyer Kang. So uh, you know, I don't think I, I he was better than his reputation coming into season four, certainly. I didn't think he'd be in the final two, but I also didn't think he was a total schlub, nothing coming in who, who was going to get picked off right away. So. Yeah, but it's been an impressive transformation. He's become sort of, and Kasa off what you said, he's sort of Sangman's mirror image, where he doesn't particularly aim to win a lot of those main matches or 
Um, at least he does not, you know, take those wins when they're right in front of him. But he absolutely dominates in the death matches, and is just coming up with novel approaches and looking really impressive death match after death match. Yeah. So the players come in, uh, and uh, they're 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 ready to go. Kevin has all the garnets, and he's excited because if he gets eliminated today, then Dongmen and Kyung Hoon are splitting one garnet. Um, when Dealer Noon informs them, no, 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 give me your garnets. Uh, all these garnets and all the garnets we've previously taken out of play are coming back. Now, do you guys think that was the plan from the very beginning, or do you think that's something that like they made up when they were like, "Ooh, we said there might be up to 200 garnets, and there's there's only 100 garnets." Yeah, I think they definitely decided that they needed more in the prize pool just to kind of cheer everybody up, and they have money to burn. Uh, I thought it was a nice little touch, though. I was kind of assuming that they would just go with exactly 100 because it's a nice round number, but I thought adding in all the ones that were taken out was uh, certainly a nice little bonus to the players. Yeah, I think that like the right the right mix of it, because Season 2 broke the whole thing of like uh, take the other person's garnets because there was no incentive ever to take Yo on to a death match. Um, but... And then season three, they took the garnets out of play, but you got a black garnet if you survived the death match. I, I, the black garnet I thought was a good idea, um, uh, even if the black missions proved to be ultimately a little too difficult for the players who attempted them. Uh, but that plus retaining the lost garnets from the death matches, I think, makes the most sense. Um, yeah, I, I also think this was a last-minute call. Like, I'm assuming they were under budget after this week in the in the episode, but I'm still expecting that next week the winner will, you know, get the money rolled out. There'll only be a hundred thousand dollars there, and you'll see Sangmin shuffling off on the side of the screen with like really bulging pockets. Yeah, he's got his trench coat next week, and uh, yeah, he's got like the fake the fake plastic garnets that he gives them, and he keeps the real wooden garnets for himself. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess, like, the counter to that would be if you knew that the Garnets were coming back, like, you'd always target the players who had the most because it wasn't going to hurt you ultimately if you won to eliminate the players who had the most Garnets, but it was going to take away the advantage, whatever advantage they would have had for having so many Garnets. So uh, maybe maybe there is some other way to do this. But anyway, good for them. Someone's winning a lot of money. Um, and uh, we are on to... Uh, oh, we're almost on to how much. First, we get that little, that little uh, foreshadowing quote from... Kyung-hoon, that uh, I think I should beat the final boss in the finals. Let's meet in the finals to Dongmen. So um, so they will. I, I like it. It would make for an interesting story. I mean, we'll talk more as we get to next week, but the genius has incredible luck with narrative and the way that these seasons play out. Yeah, you, you had such a great story. I mean, in season three, you had this two-person alliance, and you know, one of the one of the unique things about the genius is you can have a two-person alliance, but you can't guarantee it gets to the end in the same way that you kind of can on Survivor, um, just because one of you has to go to the death match, at least one of you, in the final three. Um, and you know, oftentimes you would think both people would uh, have to go to the death match in the final three, at least a third of the time, because you're playing that final episode for yourself. Um, so even having that final two deal with someone that that you've gone through the season with, you know, it's still 50-50. That the one of you going to that death match in the last episode gets through it, and then in uh, uh, I guess that was probably the next best storyline. Maybe that was the best storyline for the final two. I don't know. What do you guys think? Better storyline, season four, or season three? I think season three is still the better storyline overall. But I think if Kyung Hoon ends up beating Dongmin in the finals and he can say I was the guy who was the unpredictable game destroyer, nobody gave me a chance, and I came in here and I beat all three of the winners. That's probably a better story. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it depends on how this one plays out next week, but hey, I would still say the combined storyline of seasons one and two, the Sangmin march to victory, 
is amazing. But it'll be interesting to see what we end up with after season four. Yeah, I, well, I was thinking about it because you know season two when I got to Sangman winning, like like I, I think Mike, I was talking to you, you had already seen it, and I was talking to you online, and I was I was telling you as so I'm watching the episode, like I want to pause this because this might be like the last few moments where like Sangman has a chance to win the genius, and like if he loses, I'm gonna be really upset. So I'm just gonna like enjoy this moment, which is like such a a crazy thought to have about this like again this like Korean celebrity reality game show that I watch with subtitles. But I feel like I might have that same moment, like if it's really close at the end between Kyunghoon and Dongman, where like I just want to sort of savor it and not let it end, you know? Yeah, but I was the same way, rooting for the Korean Joey Fatone at the end of season two, just thinking, like I really, really want him to win. I'm gonna be so sad. If Joey, Fatone, Joey Fatone is so excited right now about that analogy. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't. I'm sure Joey Fatone has been on some celebrity reality show, like Celebrity Apprentice or something, at some point. So. We, we can see how his record stacks up. Yeah, but, you know, just... Uh, so anyway, uh, we go to How Much, which is... Uh, we're going to bring in the cast of Korean SNL, which I guess is probably licensed from NBC Universal, right? I mean, it's if they're calling it SNL, it's probably derivative of... Like, I know there's, like, Sesame Streets in other countries. Are there SNLs in other countries? Or? Yeah, I, I think I Googled it at some point, and it's definitely, like, a licensed uh, Broadway video name that they've taken from mm-hmm. the U.S. Yeah, Broadway Video is Lauren Michaels' production company. Um, and, uh, yeah, okay, I guess that makes sense. I mean, we've we've certainly got the five best cast members. We've got Kwon Hyuk-soo, who uh, uh, is a person, I guess. He's wearing a black shirt and has a... Wispy mustache. We have Han Jaesuk, who is uh, uh, he's he's so funny that he wears polka dots, I guess, on his shirt. We've got Jeong Seng Hun, who is wearing a pink shirt, which is really funny, and uh, he speaks Korean with a Chinese accent. Which I mean, come on, like that's game over for you if you're trying not to laugh. Hilarity. Hilarity. Uh, then there is Lee Seung, who is uh, who is a beautiful woman, I guess she says. A beautiful, what a beautiful comedian, um, who does a great Bruce Lee, and her Ryu Sungbum is just dead on, just dead on. She, I, when, she, when she turns around and faces you, and you see that Ryu Sungbum face, I mean, you're gonna pee your pants. It was I, perfect. Uh, I honestly could not have told you that that was not Ryu Sungbum. Could not have told you that. Yeah, um, for sure. It was. It was just really good. And then, I mean, who can forget the one of a kind, Leah? She's tall. Oh, she's tall. And that's funny, too. I was trying to figure out, is she like the token hot girl in the cast who is not funny? Because I don't think she said anything even remotely humorous the entire time. She pooed. That's true. Uh, They kind of lost me there, but yeah, I guess she had something there with the poo. Yeah, she was at school and she pooed. So that's pretty funny, I guess. Poop jokes. They work in every culture. Who are these people? Like like the guy in the polka dots, Han Jae-suk, is he Bill Hader? Is that Korean Bill Hader? Do we do we know like do we, can we guess like who these people are? I I was thinking more Lovitz, just, just very Lovitz esque. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> may he rest in peace. John Lo- oh, may, may he rest in peace soon, please. That guy's uh he's uh, <laughs> he's an anti-vax nut job. And when I um when I tweet I think he retweeted something I I tweeted at him on Twitter about like just how how nutso he'd gone, like, hey, like, uh, how's Victoria Jackson doing? Like, you guys sharing a wing of the ward? And then I got so many, so many angry anti-vaccine people, like, tweeting me, and I had to throw a block party in, so, yeah, John Lovitz. Uh, 
You're yeah. going to get emails now, Scott, from all the John Lovitz fans who listen I've to I've actually, I think I've said this on this podcast before and I didn't hear anything back. I, okay. I yeah, so whatever. Bring it. I mean, I, I'll, I'll stand behind science. Thank you. Science is good. All right. So, um, yeah, so we've got our, our Korean SNL people. Uh, yeah, I hope they're not John Lovitz. Please don't be the John Lovitz's group. And we're going to be playing How Much? Uh, Mike, you want to go through the rules of How Much? Sure, sure. I'm going to have to re- remember the rules of how much as we go here, and I'm, I will definitely need some help from you guys as we do it. But essentially, our cast members have been asked a series of ten questions before the episode started, and each of our uh, SNL Korea cast members had to come up with a price that would be their answer to those questions. So the questions are all something that will have a, you know, a, a dollar amount answer to it, and they each have to choose that dollar amount to answer. And at the conclusion of that, the game actually begins, where our uh, intrepid contestants will then ask uh, probing questions of each of the SNL cast members during the question and answer round, where the uh, SNL cast members can give sort of vague hints without actually saying directly what their uh, what their bids were or what their prices were. There are then uh, two other components, which is that one or member or really the entirety of our three uh, contestants can collaboratively choose one public question to ask the panel or to ask one person on the panel and that person will respond in public and then each of our contestants individually can text a question to one SNL Korea cast member and they'll get a private response in return. Uh, There are then prices right style bids where they have to try to guess the highest price without going over and the person who is the closest will get a point. Uh, if there is a tie, though, if two people have guessed the closest without going over, then the third person, assuming they didn't go over, will get the point instead. Yeah, and as it turns out, we don't have to worry about any round where nobody gets points. The, someone wins every round. And the way that the points are distributed in the rounds, the first seven rounds, you get a point for winning. The eighth and ninth rounds, you get two points. The tenth round, you get four points. If there's a tie, the last person to have won a round is the winner. So round 10 becomes super important. It's worth four points, and it's the tiebreaker. So um, you're waiting all game, basically, uh, trying to get yourself in position where winning that 10th round gives you the win in the main match. Now, did you guys have the same thought when they said these rules that you've got 15 total points in play and you essentially get, like, four and a half for the final round? Doesn't it seem really obvious to just try to win round 10 at all costs? Yes, um, and actually, as we later find out, Kyung Hoon's strategy to do that was great, where he, he took the, the the genius players all know the combined total for each of the SNL players, like what they spent on all ten items combined. So he took the player who had uh, spent the most total, and every round he used his secret call, or almost every round he used his secret call to find out what that player had spent, so that he would know in the tenth round at least what one person had spent, because in each round, you do get a private question. You can ask one person what they spent, or you could ask uh, one person like where their rank was in terms of the most, the second most, whatever, on the item. Um, but in the 10th round, you don't get to ask that. But since you know the total amount that everyone has spent, and you know what the, ostensibly you can find out what, you could find out what one person spent on each round and find out how much they had left on that last round because you know what their total was, um, it, it makes sense you would go with the person who spent the most overall because that person is the most likely to have spent the most on the, the item in the final round. Yeah, and, and kudos to Kyunghoon. Like, this is a solid strategy. You know, I, I pair that with uh, reading the shoe last week in double-sided poker, and he's really taking on the Jinho mantle of being the game-breaker and, and looking for 
you know, interesting and clever ways to get an advantage week after week. Yeah, I don't know how great that move was. Uh, the more I think about it with the shoe, like it's clever, I guess. Like there's there's a cleverness to thinking of it, but at the same time, like you're you're losing a round deliberately to have a slightly better chance of winning the next round. So I think that was not as great of a of a move as like it initially seemed. Yeah, eh, or to make a permanent uh, to permanently make it harder for Jinho to be able to make the double sided bet, which is really the 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 game breaker in that game. So sure. I, I give him credit for that. I think it, it worked out pretty well. Anyway, so in this game, yeah, so they're the players are given items that they're going to then get to uh, try to figure out what the SNL players bid on. Now each player, each genius player, gets a total of two hundred thousand uh, dollars worth of uh, I guess two hundred million Korean won, but uh, by bumdiddly umptious math, two hundred thousand U.S. dollars to spend on uh, on all the items that they're going to ultimately buy. Um, so you have to really uh, be careful with your money because the the SNL players like if you took the highest amount spent on each round and added all that together, uh, the grand total is is a lot more than two hundred thousand dollars. In fact, in one, two, three, four rounds, uh, it was a hundred thousand dollars spent as the high amount in in each of those four rounds. So you know if you were trying to do that, like it would cost you I think like between five and six hundred thousand dollars to make perfect bids in, in all 10 rounds. So you really have to figure out like when to push forward and when to pull back um, with with your money in this game. I did think, though, that it was weird the way they set this up where they show the final amounts, and you know for the most part that these people who are setting the prices are probably going to pick fairly round numbers, even if they're not picking you know something with sense. You know, they're probably not even picking like 110,000. So when, they, when they've all bid between 175 million or... Can we go with thousand? Yeah, I guess that works. We'll go with one hundred seventy-five thousand versus two thirty-four. It almost seems kind of face up to me that the final round is either going to be exactly a hundred thousand or exactly one hundred twenty-five thousand, and I feel like that kind of messed with the entire game dynamics from the beginning. If you had that mindset starting in round one. Yeah, that's true. Although um, you know, like at least in one of the rounds, uh, I'm looking at round six, I believe the highest bid was was fifty-one thousand. So it wasn't true in every round. We have a 55,000, uh, you know, in the earlier rounds. Some of the numbers were a little lower. Um, so that wasn't, like, always necessarily the case, but I, I agree. Like, it seems like, especially the higher the numbers go, it seemed more likely that you would just get a big round number. So, uh, yeah, that, that does undermine the game a little bit. I mean, the, the game is not its not a great game, the way it's set up. I mean, there's some interesting quirks to it, but this is definitely, like, a personality episode where you have an excuse to get and SNL out there, um, which felt a little bit like in season two when uh, they did the layoff game, and it was like, oh, Sangman, like here's all your friends from season one. Like, oh, Dongman, here's all your friends from the world of comedy. Yeah, you know, and it was it was very weird that they picked people that Dongman knew as well. Mm -hmm. I thought he would certainly have a big advantage, and I couldn't really tell if he actually did. Uh, it, it was hard to to see just from the little that they showed us, but I certainly don't think it hurt him that he knew these people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he, right, it can't hurt, um, if he has, a, like, if you just have a better sense as a comedian, like, when someone else is trying to be funny or sarcastic or whatever, you know, that gives you, again, a handle when they're answering these questions about how much they like whatever items, um, so, yeah, that, that is definitely a leg up, uh, for Donovan. Um, so, uh, we, we get into this game. Uh, in round one, we get an interesting leveling dilemma that I thought we'd see more of in the game, and we didn't really see very much, where everybody knows that the uh, most expensive item 
is $1,000 or 1 million won, if you will. Um, and so the question is, do you bet that much? Because if you bet that much and someone else bets that much, then you don't win it. Um, do you bet the next lowest amount? Because if two players bet like $999, then the one player who bets the full thousand is going to win it. And uh, so Hyunmin and Dongmin both take the approach of betting the full amount, and Kyunghoon comes under at 999. Now I, I, he wins the round. He gets the point. Um, he should have bet one won on this. He should not have bet 999,999 won. He should have bet one because it, when you're making the 999 bet. Um, you're betting on two people going for the full thousand, or the full million won. So as long as you're doing that, like keep the rest of your money in reserve, right? Just just bet one. Yeah, there there's not a clear advantage to going up that high in, in any circumstance. If you know that at least one person's going to nail it, and you know that at least one person's going to nail it, so I'm totally with you. This was just sort of a an odd choice to start the game off with. Yeah, I think maybe he's protecting there against. Someone else bidding nine ninety nine ninety nine, and he's thinking at least, you know, then we. Oh no, I guess he loses no matter what. So yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I did think his his idea to bid one is more correct than bidding the exact amount. Um, it, it strikes me in these games that pretty much everyone will always take the the dip their toe in the water approach, where you know, I don't want to try to outthink everyone in round one, so I'm going to take the most obvious path. We see this a lot in black and white where people will throw up like a three or a four at the start. Uh, I, I just think most of the time people are going to see if they're willing to go under by one cent, and so I think Kyung Hoon's strategy to go under the exact amount is the correct one in round one. Yeah, um, it's. I think it's correct also, but again, like if you're going to do it, you, you bet one because it's just so important later on to have conserved as much money as possible. Definitely. There's, there's no real upside to betting. I mean, unless you think 999 is going to be the highest amount or someone's going to bet 998, but you just have so little information at this point. You either bet the whole thing or just bet one and take it with one if you can. So, um Anyway, Kyung Hoon takes the first one, and now we enter Dongmin territory. Uh, by the way, that was the amount for uh, one month of phone service. Now we're going to bid on a semester of college tuition, which is worth, I guess, $2,500 to these SNL people. I mean, if you're if you're uh, an actor and you're funny and you're on Saturday Night Live, I guess like that college education is probably worth less because you feel like you've gotten by on your own talents. So, um, it's worth less than a cup of uh, Americano, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, cup americano. That's uh, uh, iced americano. Hot americano. I don't think you're getting as much for. But you know, ice, ice yeah, chips. I, would, I was just impressed. College is a bargain in Korea. Yeah. Keep that in mind when I have kids. God, yeah. I mean, hey, you've got two now. Consider moving to Korea. <laughs> yeah, we got the college funds uh, started. Uh, so um, yeah, you you need a name before you can start a college fund. Actually, you also need a name before you can book airfare, which is really unfortunate because I got a buy one ticket for upcoming trip at like three times the price of the others. So um, anyway, not that I'm bitter at Southwest or anything. Um, right. Where were we? Have we started talking about episode 11 yet? We have. Okay. Um, so yeah, a semester's tuition, and uh, Donovan's going to take this one. He's also going to take uh, uh, the amount for a nice dinner. What would you pay for a really nice dinner? The answer is $15,000. So fine, I guess, right? Anyone here ever spent fifteen grand on a dinner? I cannot say that I have, uh, but I'm also not on SNL Korea, so hey, seems reasonable if you're a Korean TV celebrity. Although, from my understanding, right, like Korean TV celebrities don't actually make that much money, so who knows? That's one hell of a dinner. 
I don't know if I've spent fifteen thousand on dinners combined in my lifetime. So I, I was pretty shocked by this. Yeah, I um, that's it's an awful lot. I, I'm trying to think of like what kind of meal it is. I mean, in Chicago here we have Alinea, which is like like the crazy like it's what the gastro uh, uh, molecular gastronomy or whatever. Um, and I think it's only like a couple hundred bucks a plate, you know, for like allegedly like this. Yeah, I mean, I know there's more expensive dinners out there, but like, what? I can't even like imagine what a fifteen thousand dollar dinner is. So. It's all that wine, just a heck of a wine bill. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that makes more sense. But yeah, count me out for the fifteen thousand dollar dinner. Probably have heartburn anyway. So um, now we're going to bid to delete the memory of a single day in your life. Mike, what day would you delete the memory of? <laughs> That's a great question. That is not podcast material. But I'm gonna think it through. <laughs> Kaz, you got one? Uh, yeah, I was going to say coming on this podcast, obviously. Yeah. No, I'm kidding, of course. Um, I don't have anything that sticks out, so I was going to bid $1 on this myself. There's actually a price on this if you want to delete this day. Like, I'll just I'll delete the file. Like, I'm sure there's a number where I would I would chuck this in the, in the old trash bin. I would never want to do that. <laughs> That's right. You've got hospital bills to pay right now, Scott. You should listen, listen carefully. Kaz, you're a good negotiator. I'll do it for 5 bucks. Uh, I'd rather have it out there in the universe. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun, so why not? <laughs> All right. So when this one air though, like I was genuinely thinking that though, I was kind of like, you know, I think I don't. There's not any one particular day that I'd really want to cut out of my life. I I would have been one of the low bidders on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah, like nothing, nothing is coming to mind. Um, so um, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting. That any listeners out there need to come out here and like give me a really bad day and like you know. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good, good as is. Yeah, everything's good. Good days happening. I'll keep my. I'll keep them. I'll keep my days. I bid zero dollars on this one. So, uh, let's see. Okay, a nice Americano. Oh, sorry. And the the one day the deletion is going to go for fifty five thousand um, dollars for uh, Lee Si Young, who doesn't want to remember the day that her father's business went under. I think was that it. Yeah. So okay. Now I think this is weird that the third and fourth rounds both go to Dogmen, but in both of them, Hyunmin and Kyunghoon bid the same exact amount, and they don't do what I would call the eBay style of adding one or two cents to the end, and it screwed them in this round. So I was a little confused why they weren't doing that. Kyunghoon was doing it more often, and then Hyunmin started doing it every round after this. But I don't understand why they weren't doing that every single round. Yeah. Yeah, just take, you know, especially if you don't know the exact number, like, change it up a little bit? Yeah. So, um, maybe they realized at that point, was that when, because they were both getting the information from, uh, uh, from who, Hyuksu, I think. Uh, so, maybe, because that was the secret information, they didn't know that the other was getting that number from him. So, um, you know, I guess, like, they may have figured out, like, oh, we've both got, like, very similar strategies here, so... Now we gotta change things up a little bit, because yeah, after that they're both uh, Hyunmin's adding one to all his bids, um, and and Hoon adds four dollars to or four one to his next bid, and eventually he's he's making a bid of like forty six million four hundred seventy nine thousand nine hundred ninety five. But you know, like he's he's just the odds of someone like getting your exact number are so low when you're doing that. So. His, his numbers were so weird. I, I was also sort of, after a little while, having a tough time keeping it straight between the numbers in Korean currency and the numbers as Bumdi was putting them up on the screen. I know I just need to you know, divide appropriately, but the miscommunication there between numbers as they popped up and what was coming up in the subtitles, 
uh, kind of got got to me a little while in keeping my calculations straight. It got to me specifically in round five when they tell us that the coffee goes for $25 million a won, and I honestly thought I had misread what was on my screen. So, yes, it was a, uh, it was a mess, to say the least. Yeah. Good coffee. Yeah, um, well, the ultimate selling price of the coffee was, was uh, $100,000, right? I'm honestly not even sure they actually showed us. I think that they just showed us Hyunmin's bid, and we knew that he was under the the actual oh. amount. I don't think they ever actually showed it. All right, my, my notes, I got an email here from a, a fan in Korea, um, which saved me a lot of time, actually. I didn't have to watch the episode completely a second time. Um, I, uh, she had $100,000, uh, I guess 100 million won uh, for that round. So um, that's where my numbers come from, by the way. If my numbers are wrong, um, it's not my fault. It's the fault. Uh, it's to blame this person who, uh, for free, has been trying to help me out of the goodness of her heart. So, um, yeah. We appreciate the notes. They were yes. great. Thanks. Yes, we do. Um, so uh, round six, we've got uh, meeting a celebrity. And uh, I believe I would have wanted to meet uh, Lee Si Young so she could do her impressions for me. Um, My God! So, I mean, in all, in all honesty, though, if you were gonna bid on meeting one Korean celebrity, like, obviously it's Sangman, right? Obviously it's Sangman. <laughs> of course. Be. And the amount would have been ten billion won. <laughs> yeah, it would have had to add some more uh, some more spaces to the front of the podium for like the total. Like, this would have been around ten, obviously, if we were out there bidding on yeah. a day with Lee Sangman. And then Sangman you have to give that money to Sangman so he can pay off his debt. <laughs> I was going to say, Sangman just needs to like list himself on eBay like uh, old Big Brother contestants, and that debt will be paid off real quick. It would be paid by all of us, of course. Yeah. Well, Bum Diddly just could make a ton of money, too, by, by doing a, like a, one of those fundraisers, like a Patreon or something. You know, um, Sangman should not put that thought in Bumdy's head for another four or five days, if you don't mind. <laughs> Yeah, well, if it comes down to it, you can just uh, you can just learn Korean uh, by Saturday and watch the last episode. That if way. that's what it takes, I absolutely would. Yeah, I'm learning a little bit. I mean, the baby's nickname uh, in utero was Hubei Number Two Bay. So, <laughs> yeah. Then my my son uh, calls my wife Mommy Nuna. So I think we watch too much Genius in in my house, but uh, no such thing. Yeah, it, it, it is great that it's like a family affair in the Green household, though. You guys are all in on it. Yeah, Harrison, my two-year-old's always like, uh, Mommy Nuna. He's like, Daddy Nuna? Like, no, Daddy Hyung. Oh, Harrison Nuna? No, Harrison Hubei. And so now I'm going to have to explain to him that to the baby, it's Daddy Opa and Mommy Uni, and Harrison is the baby Sunbei. So we'll get to that. That's, that's you know, um, he's very advanced for his age, so <laughs> we'll, we'll put it together. <sighs> All right, so... We are on round... Uh, meet a celebrity, yeah. So was Michael Jackson was the winning celebrity at uh, uh, 51 million won. Yeah, this was a great view into Korean takes on American culture. So Michael Jackson was in there. Sam Smith was in there. That was another interesting one. Yeah, she wanted to go on a date with Sam Smith, I think. Yeah, she's... Oh, she's in for some, some bad news. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, uh, I would lower the bid. <laughs> I'm sure Sam's a nice guy. I'm sure it's a lot of fun hanging out with him for a day, but um, I I don't like her chances. Yep. Hey, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Um, but yeah, I think Michael Jackson is the is the one that takes it, correct? The Michael Jackson bid, and 51 million won seems a little low to reanimate Michael Jackson and spend a day with him. Like it seems like that probably should be worth more if that's what you really wanted to do. Yeah, maybe the hologram would have been fine. 
Well, as somebody who now has two kids, I can't imagine that's something you would be hoping for. No, no, I'm not. But I'm saying, like, if that were one celebrity dream, you would think that, like, it would be worth more than $51,000 to reanimate a dead person and, like, spend time with them, right? Probably so. That, that seems like it'd be worth more. No, yeah, no, I'm, we're, we're, we're happy with uh, Michael Jackson as is at this point. That is, that is a tolerable situation for us. Um, and uh, I would say that, that yeah, if we were going to reanimate a celebrity to come back, um, I would say maybe John Lovitz. Yeah. May he rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever happened to John Lovitz, like change him back to how he was. I'd pay $51,000 for that. Okay. Uh, so those are celebrities, and now we're going to... What was this one? Ten-year... A date with a ten-year lover or something? I, don't I think it's every date with your lover for ten, a ten-year period. Oh. Oh, is that... I that interpreted it as... Uh, a date with someone you've been with for 10 years. That could be right, too. Yeah, cost the way you did it, it's like diminishing returns. Like, each date is worth about half as much as the previous one, so you yeah. just the value of the first date and multiply it by two, and uh, the answer will approach that number. That right. Now you're like Kyung Hoon with his calculator. I was going to say, can you, can you tell my wife does not listen to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> is that obvious yet? Um, yeah, no, uh, I, th- I think, Mike, I think that's what it was, but I, I did not catch this coming back, and Google Translate did not give me a great reading of, uh, of what I have in this email here, um, so. Yeah, from, from the way they reacted to it, I think that it was that. It was a, a date with someone, you know, that you've been with for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's going to go for 100,000 U.S. dollars, which, again, I, I love my wife a great deal. Um, I would, I would, uh, I would pass on one date night. If it was going to be a hundred thousand dollars, we'll just we'll we'll stay in. We'll play uh we'll play the uh, deduction and racing stripe games available on Kickstarter via thegreatscott.com/games. Yeah, and it's hey, great. for our non-U.S. listeners, the and fact it's only, that Scott it's only twenty-five dollars. Yeah, yeah, for our non-U.S. listeners, the fact that Scott is spending tonight in the hospital with his you know, wife, I would say that tonight will probably be a one hundred thousand dollar date for you, just given how expensive healthcare is in the United States. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, it's probably going to be like $100,000 worth of like chores that I'll have to do every time she's like, remember that time that like the, the baby was like a day old and you went downstairs and did a podcast and uh, <laughs> all right, all right, all right, I'll take the garbage out. All right, all right. So it's probably way worth it for her. Like her equity is really high in letting me go do this podcast. It's probably a really great move by her. Um, <laughs> When I get back upstairs, like I'm half expecting like extreme ways to start playing, and she gives me the list of things I'm now going to do for her. <laughs> hey, as long as you keep providing for her and little dongmen, everything's going to be fine. <laughs> Kickstarter, <laughs> thegreatscott.com/games. Please send my kids to college. Um, so, all right, uh, uh, yeah. So, ten-year lover, great. We all love a ten-year lover. Now we're going to take a vacation in round eight, and I should say at this point. Um, we should talk a little about who's winning these rounds and what the what what the best strategies are moving forward because uh, Kyungun wins the first round, Dongun wins the next three, he's up three to one to zero, then Hyunmin wins three, and now we've got three three one with Kyungun trailing. Dongmin is going to win round eight, which is a bid on a vacation. And he now has five points um, with Hyunmin at three and uh, uh, Kyunghun at one. Now at this point Kyung-hoon needs Dongmin not to win the next round. It doesn't matter who wins round nine so long as it's not Dongmin um, for Kyung-hoon because it's all going to come down to the last round, which, again, as Kaz said, is worth 
four and a half points essentially. It's worth four and a half or four point one or whatever you want to say because it's the tie-breaking round. Um, so you can win it five 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 if you win the last round. You can win the matches. Kim ultimately does seven five three, but you you can't let uh, you can't let round nine go to Dongmin because then Dongmin's going to have Kyunghoon locked out and only Kyunghoon would have a chance to ultimately win. Uh, and Kyunghoon's clearly planning for this too because he punts round seven by bidding one won so he can get above Dongmin, which I thought it makes a lot of sense, of course, but then we'll get to what happens in round nine and why it kind of confuses me. Uh, but I think his strategy there to have the most money available is correct, especially when you're punting round seven, which is pretty meaningless for you. Yeah, I mean, so again, like at that point, um, when it's three three one, Kyung Hoon just needs neither Hyunmin nor Dongmin to win both rounds eight or nine. So, um, you know, that's the that's the nightmare scenario there. Um, uh, yeah, uh, you know, there's not there's there's nothing they can do if he if, if the same person wins those two rounds. But Kyung Hoon again correctly like puts himself in position where he can take round nine and prevent Dongmin from from getting a crush on him. Uh, so that he's in position where round 10 is meaningful. Um, heading into the last round, actually, and, and again, round 8 does go to Dongmin, round 9 ultimately goes to Kyunghoon, uh, bidding on the salary you deserve, <laughs> which which is $100,000 a month, which, again, means they're not making that much, which goes back to what Mike was saying about Korean celebrities not making very much money. Um, round 10, when we're going to bid on regaining your lost right to vote, uh, going into that round, Hyunmin has a little more than 73 million won remaining. Dongmin and Kyunghoon both have more than uh, 100 million, and they everybody seems to know that the winning bid on this one is going to be uh, 100 million won. And that's why I can't figure out what Kyunghoon is bidding in round nine. He bids this very specific specific amount of 21 million and change, and it actually dips him below what Dongmin has, and it also dips him below 110 million won. So I it's such a random number, I can't figure out how or why he got to it, uh, and I think it's a mistake. I just I don't really see any rationale behind it. Well, if Kung Hoon is paying attention, like he knows at this point when he's making this bid on this round, he knows what uh, Hyuk Su has bid on all nine rounds. And he, he already knows at this point what he thinks Hyuk Su has bid on the final round. He's got a very small range on what it could be because he's only missing, as he later says, about um, uh, 3,500 U.S. dollars worth of bids from from rounds one and three, I think. So he can bid up to the point where he has whatever he's going to bid on the last round because nothing really matters in the last round. He already knows what that bid is going to be. Bid everything right. up to it. That's fine. He, he bid too little, I think, in round nine. Right, that's what I'm saying. He, oh, okay. he left himself 109 and change, almost 110, but just under that threshold. I don't know why he didn't bid the extra 9 million won on it just to be safe. Yeah. Um, yeah, he yeah, could also make a deal with, with Hyunmin and say, like, and again, it turns out this would have been completely wrong and stupid, but he could have said something to Hyunmin, like, look, bid everything, like, take this one, um, I'll win the last one, and then that way, like, we won't have to face each other in 12 Jengi. Like, one of us will get this soft landing against Dongmin, who we know has lost at 12 Jengi, and who's, who's clearly going to lose again tonight. So. Yeah, that's why I was so confused about the game structure and everything. I was expecting fully that we were going to get some collusion in round nine against Dongmin since he was leading, and I'm kind of stunned we didn't get it, and then we see why I'm so stunned in round ten, because it becomes this strange spot. Yeah, I totally agree. It was odd to me that we did not get collusion you know, in round nine or, or in other rounds even, and I, I was also struck by it. We didn't talk about this at the beginning, but the way that they chose how the public questions would be doled out was basically through a gentleman's agreement of rock, paper, scissors. 
And that I, I cannot imagine that's what the producers expected would happen here, and I thought that, that took something away from the way that the games played out. I would have loved to have seen an in-round negotiation for what the question was going to be for round after round. Yeah, how do you think that would have played out? You think they would have negotiated? They, would, I mean, they, they don't have Garnus to trade back and forth, so what are they... Um... You know, what's is it two against one? Like, are they teaming up that way, or how's that? Yeah, they never even really explained. Like, would there be a rule? Would it go to a vote? Something like that. If, if it had gone to a vote, that'd be really interesting to see how it played out. But I, I'm assuming that it had to be unanimous. Would they just never really told us? Yeah, it seems like that's something that could really freeze the game if they have different motives, and you know, there's there's no incentive to agree, which you know, they seem not to be. Um, so that was weird. Also weird and unrelated that there were no Garnets at all involved in this game. We knew that at the beginning of the episode, but usually uh, one of the fun things in these final three uh, face-offs is that the players sort of have to decide are they playing to win the game, to maximize the chance of winning the game, or to maximize their, their Garnet potential. And we didn't have any of that conflict either here. But um, in any case, uh, in round 10, uh, it seems like everybody knows that Hyuksu has, has bid 100 million won. And, you know, Dongman makes a... He makes an interesting bid, I guess, just in case, uh, in case Kyunghoon is wrong, uh, or, you know, has made some some error, so that he can come in and, and be right there to to clean it up. Um, but really, Dongmin, if he wants to send Hyunmin to the death match, like he just has to bid some amount higher than what the amount that he knows Hyunmin has left. Right. That is true. But uh, are you saying you buy what Dongmin is selling there when he says he did it on purpose to? Force the loss and play Hyunmin. Yeah, well, if he okay, so so look at this from his point of view, right? He can't if he knows the amount of the hundred thousand. It doesn't make sense to bet to bid a hundred thousand dollars again, a hundred million won. It doesn't make sense because um, either Kyunghoon knows the amount and is ostensibly bidding that much, in which case you're you're going to lose the game. Um, it, so so, but if you know it, then you can bet a little uh, a little bit less. Um, if if you've decided you do want to face Hyunmin in the death match, right? Like, right, but I think this is the uh, and Michael Botto will love this, of course. Uh, this is the golden balls dilemma, I think, where you both know, and so the first person to take the initiative and say, "Hey, I'm going to bid a hundred million, and if you want Hyunmin to win, then you know, go ahead and bid a hundred hundred million with me." But I'm going to bid 100 million. Do what you want, and I think you leave. If you take the initiative there, you're more likely for the other person to switch. But I think it's crazy to automatically punt, and I don't believe that that's what Dongmin was doing. But I think this is a terrible idea, and uh, I don't really see the merit in it at all. Yeah, I, as you know, I love all references to Golden Ball, so I love that one too. It's great. Check out the Radio Lab episode about that specific edition of Golden Balls. We have no idea what we're talking about. Um, but that's a great point, and it would have worked out really well here to see him give that a shot. Uh, just for the sake of making clear what the circumstances would be and, and what the implications were, it, it should work really well. Uh, and I, I don't know. I guess I'm torn here. I, I think Dongmin was probably telling the truth in what, what he was doing. I'm sure there was more to it than what he said in that moment, in that he probably really did think that uh, Hyunmin's arrogance meant that Hyunmin hadn't been practicing, whereas obviously K-Hound has been playing like 600 games with Paul Jangi every day since the season started. And especially this last week, knowing that it was the upcoming death match. Right, right. So I'm sure that that's a part of it as well. But I really do think that he said, you know what, I want to play this against Hyunmin, and I'm now just going to make that happen because I'm kind of stuck. Then why didn't he bid, a diff or why didn't he announce it before round 10? I, don't, I think it's a lot of revisionist history on his part. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him, but I, but I do think there's something to it here.
bent. He thinks he can beat Hyunmin. He'll pull, make a, he'll take a shot. He'll put a number out there that maybe will work out for him. But if not, then it's him and Hyun. And Hyun yeah, I mean, he he bets he bets an amount that like if Kyung Hoon is wrong even a little, like Dongmin still is going to win the the main match, right? This is this is the like like Kyung Hoon, you take it. Um, but if you don't want it, I'll take it. You know, this is the like I don't want to go to the death match with Kyung Hoon bid. There's no other reason to bid this much. There just isn't. It, it, you, you only bid this much if you don't want to face Kyungman at 12 Jengi. Right, so then isn't there some merit to bidding over $100 million instead? Oh, in case in case Kyungman's wrong and the, the, someone has bet more? Yeah, because if, you, if you're saying essentially that bidding 99 and change is going to... It's tanking and auto-losing... You know that that's going to happen if Kyung Hoon bids exactly 100 million. So why wouldn't you bid 100 million and one, and then if it ends up being 125 million, you do win. That's that's a good thought. I like that thought. My uh, my new dad, exhausted brain, can't immediately think of anything to argue with that thought. Yeah, and that's part of why I don't buy what he's selling here again. I, maybe he's telling the truth, but I just. When everybody wanted to tell after the game that oh I knew this and so I you know I knew he was going to do that so I did this it just uh, it smelled like just, every poker I, game I've ever sat in. Well, no, you're coming up with a with a potentially a strategy that maybe gives him a better chance to win the game, but you you're not coming up with a better explanation for that exact bid that he gave. Like the best explanation for that exact bid is the I just don't want to face Kyung Hoon bid, right? That's the bid where like you're you're not going to be facing him. I guess. I mean I guess you're not. Facing either if you go over, I, but I, that's just, that that bid speaks to me like like all right like this is the bid that will keep me from any chance of tying with Kyung Hoon and I certainly can't tie with Kyung Hoon who doesn't have this much to bid. Okay, so, that's yeah. yeah, that's a fair point. I I do like the idea that it's just basically Dongmin with Brick Tamlin syndrome in that moment of the I I also want to say something smart <laughs> right now. I had I had a plan. I love Lamp. <laughs> But I do think this speaks to the huge flaw in the game itself, which is that this is essentially like a three-person black-and-white game, and it almost punishes the person who's in first place heading into the last round because the second and third place people then end up, whether they realize it or not, they're colluding with each other because they have nothing to lose by gambling and picking the exact amount or, in Hyunmin's case, just bidding an amount below and hoping they tie. And that's why I think this game design is so poor for the final three because it does end up punishing the person who was in first place. Yeah, totally agree that it's basically a three-person black and white, uh, and maybe just the fact that that point value was so much higher for the fourth round, or for the tenth round, rather, it really does impact the way that people were playing for the rest of the game. Um, I, one other thing that I, I thought could happen here was if there was some way to, you know, thinking back to what Lawyer Kang did in, in uh, Season 2 at this point, or Season 3, um which was playing for the draw once he knew he had the lead, if there was going to be some way that if you won round nine to try to get it to the point where everyone would draw, given that you know pretty much what the uh, the bid is going to be, you have a pretty good sense of where people are going to be bidding to get there. If there was some way to do that, then whoever won round nine could try to force a draw in round ten and just lock it in. Uh, but but you know that being said, regardless, clearly the fact that there were so many points up for grabs in round ten just meant everybody was going to be playing for round ten. And then the people in the in who were trailing were going to have a strong incentive to collude. So I I hear you. This one led to all kinds of problems, but it clearly it gave them a chance to bring in guests, which seems to be a priority. And the fact that we had a you know network synergy with SNL Korea meant you know they were going to go with something along these lines. I just sure. think 
we got the correct result at the end too, which I think is uh, at least that's this is what I wanted to see is Dongmin playing Hyunmin and the winner then taking on Kehoun in the finals. So I'm certainly not disappointed with it. I just feel like this is a really interesting game that then gets ruined in the tenth round, and it actually reminds me a lot of the season one final three game, the five five game where it's a cool idea on paper, but it really just ends up not working out in practice, and I just don't think it's the ideal game if you're trying to pick the fairest and most accurate way to pick the final champion to head into the finals. All right. Yeah, I mean, there's... Yeah, the the 5-5 five, five game was one where, like, uh, one, you know, once Jinho breaks it, you're just like, okay, well, hopefully, like, not everyone thinks of this or else we've got just a, a bad experience. But, um, like, we have... We have seen like good final three matches. Like they do exist. Uh, Doubting Nori was really good uh, last season. Uh, yeah, I mean, like this is like I said earlier. It's like a personality piece. Like let's let's entertain the audience, uh, maybe at the expense of of sacrificing some gameplay. Sure. Yeah, elevator game in season two, another pretty good one. Although that had the additional advantage of uh, the people who came in were Sangman's friends, so that was a challenge. Thank God. <laughs> That's true. I no complaints here, but you can see how that could have been biased. I told my wife yesterday that um, uh, when I wanted her to kick out um, our families from the uh, from the recovery room, that I would start hitting myself in the head. That was a big move. Just you're just knocking on your own head for an hour. I said, no, I told her. I said, I said, like when I'm when I'm ready for you to like excuse everybody, I'm either gonna start dancing or I'll start like hitting myself in the head. So. <laughs> going with going with the subtle signals, just like saying that. It didn't it didn't come to that fortunately, but uh, yeah, no, I, we were all set. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so so Kehan wins, and we are going to play twelve Jengi with uh, Hyunmin and Dongmin, and Hyunmin of course beat Dongmin at this in the finals of season three. Um, anybody here think uh, Hyunmin was going to win again? No, Mike. Yeah. I, I guess I was pretty swayed by the description of why Dongmin picked Hyunmin, and, and pretty clearly, like Dongmin has a great read on the two competitors. He he knows that uh, one of them has been practicing like crazy, and one of them really hasn't. And just because of that, like it, it made sense. You could see that Dongmin put in the work, and he was going to be able to pull this one out. But I, I, I mean, you could have looked back to the beginning of the season where Hyunmin sort of did come in, you know, over I would say overconfident, just mm-hmm. feeling like he had it last time and. But he was overconfident in season three too, in the early going. He was, he was. I, it just surprises me that he didn't really. I mean, maybe he did, but it seems to me like he did not put in the work in practicing this game or some of the others. He just relied on natural ability. And at this point, like against a lot of prepared candidates who were thinking through the strategy and who were really smart to begin with, it's not going to fly. Yeah, I mean, um, I I kind of thought like Hyunmin had an edge at Jengi up until they were like ready to play, um, and then Dongmin just like to have that confidence, and, and when Dongman won the first game, it was like, oh, <laughs> oh, Hyunmin, you're, you're gone, because um, the level of work that it, it would have taken for Dongman to beat someone who, was, who really beat him badly uh, in Season 3, like, you don't, you don't put in all that work and get that good at the game and then, like, not be able to do it again. Like, that was, there was clearly a flip in, in talent at 12 Jangi from last season to this season. It was pretty quickly apparent, and uh, it, I, I've been uh, saying for weeks now, like, I've been ready for Dongman to get eliminated. Like, that's been enough Dongman, you know. Uh, and this is the first time, like, I found myself really rooting for him here to uh, to to do what he couldn't do last time and to win 12 Jangi. It was such a great storyline that here's here's these two guys. They're not going to be in the finals again. 
and the game that's going to be the gateway for one of them to get there is the one game that Kilman won in the finals last year. So it's just yeah, I, I, I was also rooting for him, but I was rooting for him more for the sake of the uh, Kyung Hoon victory story. It makes for a better story if Kyung Hoon beats all three of the prior winners on his way to to the title. I I'm also kind of sick of Dongmin. I no offense to Dongmin fans out there. You know, well, they'll they'll take offense. We know. That's fair. That's fair. But just I. I, I've seen plenty of Dongmin over the last two seasons. I was ready for. I'm ready for a change, but just given the circumstances, it'll be more fun to see Kyung Hoon win Dongmin if he can pull it off next week. Yeah, I mean that's certainly a storybook ending, and and we may not get it. I mean, we you know it could still be Dongmin, who like, you know, there's not a lot to talk about in the strategy of 12 Jengi here. I don't think like it's it's a complicated game. Like you can find it, actually. There's an there's an app for your uh, I think I got it on my iPhone. It's called like Animal Shogi, S H O G I. It's uh, like animal chats, like Catch the Lion or something. Um, it's it's a fun game. It's like the idea behind it was like let's make chess fun for girls, but it's fun for everybody. Um, but you know, there's a lot to get into with that. But like, I, I just I feel like this kind of removes all doubt that like Dongmin is the best genius player that we've had. You know, that it wasn't just force of personality. That's gotten him this far. That got him the win last season, and that got him. I mean, he he here's a guy who's a professional comedian. You know, he he does the he he does the circuit of these shows. He really put in the effort. Like he really he really did it. Like he really cares about this. He worked hard at it. He he kicked ass at Tackley Nori. He he just vivisected Kunran at Gilhap, and now he he like badly beat Hyunmin, and like like he like whipped him to death, and then. Heat on his body at uh, at twelve Jenkins. So, so I want to dispute that though. I I'm not saying that Dongmin isn't the best player ever. I honestly don't know if I would go him or Sangmin, and I I would probably lean Dongmin anyway at this point. But I do think it's worth noting that all of the death matches he has dominated this, this season, which I guess is two or maybe three of them, he has had incredible amounts of time to study for, and they were past games that did not change at all. And so as easy as it is to say, yeah, Dongmin's great, he's great at death matches, I don't know that he's necessarily great at death matches he has not seen before. I mean, we saw him botch monorail, and not just in the way that we all know, but he basically gave away the free win on his first move. And I'm a little worried that when he comes in to this finale and there's two new games that they're going to play, I think he may be at a disadvantage in terms of hacking the game immediately versus Kayhound, who I think has more of a brain for this kind of thing. So I'm not saying Dongman isn't the best player ever. He certainly might be, but his success has certainly come in part because he has known what death matches were coming and he's had ample time to study for them. Yeah, that's a very fair point. Um, but, you know, again, I, I do think, like, well, so we saw the previous week, he certainly didn't have a chance to study and prepare for the matchsticks. You know, he said it's something he did as a kid, but even still, like, that's something that, um, you know, to do fast with no preparation, like, that's that's impressive. Like, he was good at those those mini-games. So, I like, I hear what you're saying. Like, it's there's certainly something to be said for, like, the difference between studying and having the natural ability to, like, look at a game for the first time and break it. But um, I, I think he does have some of that, and his success in main matches, especially this season, um, goes to show that like, he's not trapped on those main match games. So, um Give me, give me one second, guys. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank you. Sorry, guys. Uh, security just came up to check my um, my ID badge here. So, um, 
I guess I guess the hospital rules are you are allowed to <laughs> to podcast from the cafeteria so long as you've got your badge. So um, this <laughs> right. All right, so now everybody out there, if you're listening to this, you know, yes, I am, in fact, actually in the cafeteria at uh, Prentice Women's Hospital here in Chicago, Illinois, on the Northwestern Medicine campus. So. And the badge young came to get you. <laughs> <laughs> he was friendly. He didn't interrupt me. In fact, if I hadn't said anything to him, he would have looked at the past and gone on, and we could have continued podcasting. But I was also uh, a little concerned I'd have to, to spend 10 minutes explaining what a dongman is. Or, or he would have been like, oh, I love that show. Ah Young was great. Last <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're from the Scott and Mike podcast. I love Mike. Are you Mike? <laughs> <laughs> All the time. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Mike, what do you think? Uh, is, what is, what is, uh, is Dongman clearly the best player to you, or do you think, like, cause that, uh, that it's a closer call? I, I mean... He is not my favorite. Sangman will always be my favorite. Yeah, I think but, but that's, that's body, a different game. That's, yeah, that's body of work at this point. Yeah, already though, body of work, I think Dongman is the, the best player. Even if he doesn't win mm-hmm. next week, he is already the best all around. Just just the combination of main match performance you know, and death match performance, and that is taking you know, nothing away from the point that Kost has made, which is clearly true, that a lot of this death match success has come from the fact that Dongman has gotten practice. Um, but still, it's a heck of a record. And doing this back-to-back two different seasons has been pretty stunning. He has mastered the art of saying, uh, all right, guys, we're in trouble. It looks like uh, the only option for our team right now is for you guys to just make me win, and then one of you will go to the death match, but it was better than nothing. Yeah, and I want to point out that like I am definitely playing devil's advocate here just because there's been this outpouring of Dongmin support. I do think the narrative changes a bit just if if we don't have Yanju make this horrible decision in Monorail, are we crowning him as the best player of all time for sure? I mean, maybe, probably, I don't think it's quite the same if he had finished in fourth place the first time and then came back and won this season. I, I do think he's probably the best player ever, but I think the gap is smaller than most people are making it seem now. And even if he wins back-to-back seasons... I don't know if him actually winning necessarily makes him any better. Like, I think I'll probably think the same of him whether he finishes first or second here. I just I don't think it really changes my opinion. But he is no doubt a phenomenal player in both main matches and death matches, and yeah, that's tough to ignore. Okay, so let's make um, uh, let's make one of my favorite Twitter accounts happy, um, uh, Pro Football Talk commenter, uh, and talk about uh, talk about one of one of his favorite questions. Um, who are the elite genius players? Who would you say are the elite genius players? Obviously, we've got Dongman in that group. I think it's pretty easy to put Sangman in that group. Uh, Hyunmin belongs in that group, um, and and I, that's probably the only people who are who are very clearly elite genius players. <clears throat> and I'd like to uh, I'd like to propose Kyunghoon be admitted to this uh, to the stratosphere of genius players, gentlemen. Ooh, I, I think that that one's early for me. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I have Hyunmin in there. Yeah, I definitely have Hyunmin in there. Um, I, I guess I'm on the fa- I, I'm leaning towards. I guess I'm leaning towards no on Jinho right now. Although that feels kind of sacrilegious after watching the first two seasons of the show. Uh, he's like the Colby Donaldson of of uh, the genius after this season. I, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. This season he was he was very Colby-esque, but 
Uh, Colby also didn't beat Tina. Like he chose to lose in uh, in Australia, where he could have he could have beat Keith. So spoilers. <laughs> we warned at the beginning. We said we'd spoil everything that's ever happened in the history of everything. Yeah, that's right. No, also, I think also I think Colby does not win season thirty-one of Survivor. Um, I have on good authority. So. No, but uh, Hongchul comes back next season on the Genius and wins the whole thing. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that sounds great. Hongchul versus Haha final two. Yep, Cordyceps is there. Gets eliminated in the final three. It's a bummer. <laughs> Wait, when does Sangman go out? <laughs> That's right. Sangman's finally revealed as the Bandish Young, and he just gives away the whole show. No, that already happened. He already revealed himself as Bandish Young, and things just continued on. You're right. You're right. Things continued as is. Yeah, you know what? We should talk about that later. Um, uh, let's add that to the to the list for this episode. But let's let's cast uh, season five a little bit with the people we have so far. So I'm gonna make a note of that. Cast season. Five. Okay, so we can get to that a little bit later, unless I get a text from upstairs that I need to stop abandoning my wife um, and and uh, an infant child. Um, all right, so uh, so you guys are not on board with Kyung Hoon being elite yet. I think you only put the three mins in the top tier. I think that's really all I would put in that super top tier, and then I think there's a bunch of people who can go in the second tier. I would still put Jin Ho ahead of Kyung Hoon. I think. Kyung Hoon has a tendency to screw up at certain points, and I don't know if that's necessarily gone away yet. What if Kyung Hoon um, wins next week? What if he's the winner? No, I don't think it changes much. I mean, what if he just fights Dongman? What if what if it's like a complete blowout? I'm still not willing to put him in the tier with the three men's, honestly. All right. I mean, to me, like you know, you, you've seen Kyung Hoon get eliminated one time. Um, you know, and with with basically, one, I mean, one big mistake against against Young Suck. Uh, aside from that, you've and and you've seen some bad moves in main matches early this season. But you know, the the two sides of the game uh, that are the most important to surviving are avoiding the death match or just crushing the death matches. And uh, you know, certainly some of these death matches were were luck based. Again, like winning uh, uh, same picture hunt. Against Jung Moon with like perfect memory is a question of whose whose tiles are revealed first. But at the skill games, also he's just been really ready and really good. He outleveled Sangman uh, at uh, betting rock paper scissors, and so that other side of the game of like of of just not getting eliminated even when you go to the death match um, seems to be a such a strength for him. Um, is it safe to say he's the best death match player that we've had on the show? Possibly. So, I, I think that has to make him elite. I mean, I think he's probably the lowest of the elite players, but if he's but not I, elite, he's got to be close. Yeah, think, you can draw to the same thing, though, that Cost drew on before, which is the fact that he's so far playing uh, previously seen death matches. So he is the best with practice, that's for sure. Okay. And I, I've been a Jinho doubter since season one, and I, like, I think Jinho's a great player, don't get me wrong, but I think... At one point, people before the season were putting him in the very top tier ahead of a couple of these mins. Um, I, I kind of have the same complaint with Kyunghoo that I do with Jinho, that you can be the best deathmatch player in the world, but I do think that merely dodging the deathmatch is more important because even if you have 85-90% equity in every deathmatch you go to, if you go to four or five of them a season, you're bound to lose at some sure. point. Sure, that's so why I think the, the ability to take the token of life when it's right in front of your face is something that you can't pass up, and if somebody is going to pass that up and be willing to go to the deathmatch even with high equity, I, I just can't put them in that top tier. I guess to me, like, so, yeah, like, that's... 
to me, that's two different things, right? Like the the ability to win these main match games and then like actually grabbing the brass ring at the end. Like the the what was it uh, minus auction? Was that the the one that he just he could have won and he decided he'd rather lose it? Yes. Like he had done the legwork on that, right? So I guess like it's just a question of like what's more important, like actually winning the game for the sake of winning it, or like having played the best and like having had the choice to win if you wanted to. Like which of those things, in terms of evaluating his ability, is more important? And to me, the thing you know, his ability shines through more. Uh, and again, like I, I, I was very mad at him, you know, to the extent that one can be mad at a at a Korean game show contestant. I was mad at him for not taking the win. That was certainly the wrong move. But he was the best at that game that day. He just chose not to win for whatever stupid reason. Right, but if he chooses not to win for what we cannot figure out a rational reason for, I do think that. I mean, it's certainly something that Sangman would never do, right? And so. I just the Sangman test. Yes, of course. I mean, that's what everyone and everything ever is measured against. Uh, but I do think that kind of falls in line with it. Yeah, you can put yourself in a great position to win the main match, but if you're not willing to actually grab the token of life when you're there, is that really any good for you? Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I guess, like I said, I think it just comes down to that that final question. So, um, all right. So, so let's. Uh, should we move on? Um, we can we can assess the likelihood of the remaining players winning the game. Now, would you guys rather start uh, at the bottom or the top of the list of players most likely to win? <laughs> I, let's go right in the middle. All right, let's do let's do this reveal very slowly. Let's start with the second most likely to win, and then we'll do a real build up to first most likely. You got it. All right, I think the second most likely player to win the Genius Season Four is Kungun. Ooh, interesting. Okay. I think he's 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 the most likely to be good at the games and understand them quicker, but I think he's going to be at a at maybe the same kind of disadvantage items wise that Hyunmin was at last year. And Koss, is it you that has a bet with Dom and Colin about that, or is it is it Ian? I feel like somebody. Yes, know. that is me. I offered this to Colin. Um, so Colin and I were talking about this off Twitter, uh, and he basically told me he thought Dongmin would get at least eight of the advantages. And uh, I think that's potentially the exact opposite of what we're going to see. I actually think Kyung Hoon is going to get more support than Dongmin, and that's why I think Kyung Hoon is likelier to win. But so yes, I did offer Colin a bet that Kyung Hoon would get at least six snow globes. Yeah, I think that if the snow globes are even, um, then Kyung Hoon is more likely to win. So my assessment of likelihood to win is is purely based on I I think that just because of his social game, that Dongmin is more likely to get the snow globes. Um, eight might be too many. I think it might be like uh, seven. Um, but well, well, how about this? Why don't we go through the cast and let's say who we think they are more likely to give their snow globes. Sure, we can do that. I did that last week with with Angie, and it's just so hard to figure out like what's Jung Hoon thinking. But we we can certainly go through and do that. So um, it's very easy. Jung Hoon isn't thinking anything. Okay, but how do we how do we extrapolate to figure out who's getting a snow globe? Oh, you I don't. don't. I mean, it's a fifty fifty thing. But I love you, Jung Hoon. Right, so we got Jung Hoon, we got Yoan, and again, I, I don't know like where to even begin with that. Um, you know, does he go with the person he worked with, who also like was the reason he was eliminated? I, I, I don't know. All right, so Yoan was next. Um, the person eliminated third. I feel like this is someone I should know. Uh, who was the person out third? Well, it doesn't matter. Um, fourth yeah, out. I, I paid. I paid a large sum of money to erase the day that I watched that episode from my <laughs> mind. So I have no idea. Yes, that was the correct answer. Um, if I had more time, I could go back and edit the podcast to put that in there. 
Um, as you know, Mike, uh, I usually spend hours and hours going back and uh, rethinking like what we should have said at each at each inflection point and trying to pick the best joke possible. So that's why uh, usually uh, usually I'm spending days in the editing room and these episodes don't drop um, forever. So. That's right, and then we frequently mention Poochie died on his way back to his home planet. We edit stuff out. <laughs> Without kids, you'll never see him again. All right. Um, all right. Well, all right. So, but Sangman, I'm assuming 100% gives his item to Dongman. See, I disagree. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like maybe he already got his revenge on Kyung Hoon, and Kyung Hoon, like Kyung Hoon, took Sangman's best shot, so now he's gonna get the snow globe. Right. That's why this is such a hard game to play. Like, who who knows? I think he loves Kyung Hoon. I mean, remember when he was leaving in that terrible moment when all of us were crying? He did hug him and said, "Go win this now." Uh, yeah, he tried to get his revenge, but I think there's two reasons why Sangman's going to give it to Kyung Hoon. One is that he loves the narrative, and two is that if Dongman doesn't win twice, then Sangman might still have claim to the throne of best player ever. Ooh, and I think that interesting point. That, that's true. Sangman does tend to do what is best for TV, so it's important to keep that in mind. And that's true. A Kyung Hoon win is probably a better story for the show. Of course. TV. Yeah. All right. So let's start at the beginning. Let's let's go back to Jung Hoon. We don't know who Jung Hoon's giving it to, so um, we're gonna just throw that one uh, to the side for a second. Yeah. I, I would say pair him with Sangman. Whoever Sangman gives it to is who Jung Hoon is gonna give it to. No, that's only true if Sangman gives it first. Then Jung Hoon can copy him. Jung Hoon might not know at that point. I figure that they he uh, he called him up from the van as he was driving his way into the studio that day. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, then we have Yoan. Uh, 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 uh? I, I, Yoan, I, I would assume that he'll give it to the underdog. I agree. Okay, so we'll give that to Kyung Hoon. Um, Sangman, we think it's Kyung Hoon. I can sign on. I mean, uh, I want Kyung Hoon to win, so normally that makes me be like, well, let's be a little skeptical about this. But I'm okay. This is just like a fantasy snow globe giveaway, so we can we can stick with like assigning them randomly. Uh, Laura Yoon-sun, who's, who's she going for? Didn't she give garnets to Kyung-hoon, and wasn't there some flirting or something where he was being really sweet to her? Uh, I feel okay. like they had a pretty decent relationship. Sure, let's give it to Kyung-hoon. Yoon. I think this is probably Dongman. Mm, really? Yeah, I, I have no good read here. My Dongman was my instinct on this one, too. I'm uh, going with that because that's who he picked in Season 3. Um, and Yu Yun just seemed frustrated with Kehoun all the time. Even the week they worked together, it seemed like he was frustrated with him. So uh, my lean would be Dongmin, and we've given a few to Kyung Hoon, so I guess okay. I'm trying to even it up. Fine. Uh, Yun Sung, is he going to Dongmin, who helped him in uh, Tactical Yutnori? Yeah, I think he definitely goes Kyung Hoon, actually. Really? He gave all his garments to him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, all right, then we've got Jung Moon. Uh, let's say Dongman that she just tries to even it up. She does the not particularly interesting thing. Yeah, Kyung Ran's going to Dongman. Yep. Yep. Jun Seak, we know he said he's going for Kyung Hoon, so uh, I mean, who knows? But but that seems like the most solid thing we've got to go on here. Yep. What about uh, Jin Ho? I'm gonna think Dongman. Which makes sense. And uh, Hyunmin, I think is going for Kyung Hoon. I agree. Same. I wonder what's going to happen. Nobody has any garnets left, so is there going to be an extra snow globe for someone, or are there only going to be 11 snow globes, or what are they going to do? I think they only used 11 last time, so I'm guessing they'll use 11 this time as well. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, we've got uh, we've got six to four here with Jung Hoon undecided. So 
All right. I guess it's feasible Kyunghoon could have the snow globe lead. I mean, yeah. I, 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 think I say I my read from that is at the very least it's it's going to be closer than it was last season. Okay. They'll, they'll be in range of one another. I think there's a decent chance we'll get five five with Hyunmin up there making the decision, and I think he is going to go Kyunghoon. So suck on that, Colin Stone. <laughs> Um, yeah. All right. So, so let's cast season five of the genius. Um, let's let's say season five is going to be a mix of old players and new players, uh, fans versus favorites, if you will. Um, if you're casting season five with anybody, they could be from season four, they could be from season one, two, and three. Let's say we're going for half returning players. Like, like who still has more to show us? Who do we want to see again? Let's give Sangman a spot right now, and then let's figure out the rest of it. I, I think you also automatically give Jin Ho a spot. I think Jin Ho comes back. If, really? Yeah, I do. You're not the producer. You're you. You're you know you're you producing the show. You would give Jin Ho a spot. Oh, you know I still would. I still would. He is a a genius lifer, as far as I'm concerned. I like having Jin Ho around. Toph, you you sign on to Jin Ho? No, I if I'm casting the show, I wouldn't. If they're casting the show, I 100% would. Yeah, I'm I'm casting the show and I'm not putting Jin Ho on it. He did not show me enough this season. He just wasn't good TV. He's Sangman, boring. good yes. TV. Jin Ho, very boring. He's out for me. Sorry, uh, Mike, you've been outvoted. No problem. I'm I'm just hoping that Tony Vlachos is somewhere learning Korean so I can cast him as a fan. Who else from this season is is worth uh, having? I mean, uh, Kyung Hoon for sure. Like Kyung Hoon is 100% for me. Yeah. And probably Dong Min again, just because uh, like he's. He's so dominating, but like he's like he's playing hard. You know, it's like like the Jinho thing, where like you know what you're gonna get, but you're gonna get a much harder shot at it from from Dongmin. So, um, are you guys on board with bringing back Dongmin? Yeah, yeah. I, he's such a dominating personality on the show that you know, like Sangmin, the two of them are gonna occupy so much of the screen time that it's hard to have them both. But it's hard to imagine the show now without him. Cuff? See, I think I would. I think I would scratch Jinho and Dongmin if I'm casting this myself. Uh, especially if Dongmin wins twice, I just don't think it's that interesting to bring him back yet again, where he's going to be presumably a huge target. Um, yeah, I think if we're saving a spot for one of the kings, it's got to be Sangmin and only Sangmin. Uh, and Kyunghoon. And Kyunghoon. Who may be a king this time next week. Um, all right. Yeah. So and just in terms of storyline, like it would be a great storyline to have. Kyung-hoon versus Sangman as two returnees if you were going to do that. very, it, it would make for yeah. a compelling show, but I know right, that, that's yeah, not like the conceit we're doing. Russell. It could be Sangman versus Kyung-hoon. Exactly. And then I I have to see Sung-yu on this season. Okay, yep. I'll, I'll co-sign that. I mean, yeah, this, is, this is fantasy genius where people will come back just because you want them to. Do we want uh, uh, Hongshul to come back? Definitely want Hongshul back. Absolutely. I, I personally want Ayoung back. Okay. I think those are locks right there. Those that we just listed. What about uh, what about Hui Jong? No. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine without Hui Jong. What if you get season two Hui Jong back? Only if we're playing the food chain game and they demand that he gets the lion again, then I'm okay with it. See, I, I would take season two Hui Jong. I would not take season three Pansy Hui Jong, who like just sits there like, well, I don't want to have an opinion on this. <laughs> it's like must not be myself. Don't do it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we've got Samen, Kyunghoon, Sungyu, Hongchul, Ayoung. We need one or two more to fill out our half of the I, roster here. There's no one else that I'm like urgently, you know, desperate to see come back. 
I'm looking at all the different rosters of each season now. Not even Jake Young or Youngkill? I, bar- I barely remember them. <laughs> Ninseo, the auctioneer? <laughs> nope. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good on all right, that. Here's another one. How about uh, how about Junsayak? All right, all right. I could I could see the case for Junsayak coming back. I mean, there's, I, I'm there's... not. I don't. I'm not desperate for it, but I, there's a good case to be made. I see the case. The problem is that we could probably fill season five with the top half of season four, and it would be just fine. Uh, but I think if we're trying to limit ourselves to yeah, we're really getting not. some new players in the mix. We're, we're not taking too much of the top half of Season 4, right? We've got Kyung-Hoon and then Junsak, like Sangman was gone in Week 3. I mean the top half in terms of interesting players. Oh, yeah. Oh, So you're not casting Kyung-Ran? No, I don't think so. I don't really find her that interesting. No, she's not. No, she never was. No. How, I mean... If I can take Cordyceps, obviously I put Cordyceps. All right, so we'll put Cordyceps on the fan side. Uh, we'll take the fat kid from Super Junior. Um, we'll ha-ha. Ha-ha, of course. we got to have Ha-Ha in there. Definitely. We gotta what about have... the professional friend? Yeah, I was yeah, going to say. Kugran's boyfriend. Um, I think we have to have Yoan's wife. Oh, uh, that's a good one, too. Yep. All right, uh, let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I'm counting Junsack. We have 11. Have we cast a season of the show with even fewer females than the genius producers have? All right. Do you want to put, like, uh, the first boots all back in? Well, you don't want Hui Jong, but we could throw uh, Jury back in. How about Yanju to, like... Yep, great. Ooh, yep, that's a good one. Take her. I thought she was she uh, has gotten less love than she deserves. She was uh, uh, she made it pretty far. She she did beat Yu Yun at Memory Maze, which is uh, pretty yeah. good. And uh, she she had Dongman crushed at yeah, Monarch. That could be fun that could to be see a cool what redemption story. She had she almost beat one of the greatest of all time and just so beat her. I, I took off Jun Sak and threw Yeonju back on there. Um, so we've got Sangmin, Kyunghoon, Sungyu, Hongchul, Ayoung, Yeonju on the returner side. Cordyceps, Super Junior, Fat Kid, uh, Haha, Kyungran's boyfriend, Yoan's wife. Um, there's got to be more, right? If we're looking for entertainment value, oh, like from this episode, we just had him this episode. We gotta have, uh, we gotta have my good friend Lee Seong to do her Ryu Sungbum impression. She's cast. <laughs> oh no, that'll work. And um, let's see, Leah, no, she's in the Jake Young school of like, oh, you were on the Genius for a little bit. Do you want the the guy who does the Chinese accent, or are we afraid of uh, of alienating? Uh, Chinese people with that. Yeah, that's that's probably not going to fly well. Let's get this show into syndication. Do you want polka dots or do you want the guy with the wispy mustache? Uh, polka dots seem more worldly. Okay, sure. How about this though? Let's just pause for a second. Would you choose this season that we have now just cast, or a season of just entirely new people? If that's all you knew. Well, Sangmin is on this season we yep. just cast, so I would... Yep, I'm taking this. I want this over. Okay, so I, I knew I should have said this. So let's just rule Sangmin out. Sangmin gets dropped in helicopter style by Jeff Probst into either season, no matter what. I still want this. Uh, you got Kyung-Hoon back, Sung-Yoo, you got uh, Hong-Chul, you got uh, Ha-Ha is going to be a lot of fun on there. Yoan's wife, she's going to be real aggressive. I think this is this would be a fun season. Yeah, I mean, we've got my three favorite players ever on this season in Kyung-Hoon, Sang-Min, and Sung-Yoo, and that's enough for me to pick this over just about anything. Yeah, I got my three favorites in Sang-Min, Kyung-Hoon, and uh, Yoan's wife. So. And my three in Sang-Min, Ah-Hyung, and then Ah-Hyung again. <laughs> All right, well, I've got an idea for the 13th spot then. How about Dealer Nuna? Hey, now we're talking. Yeah, let Kwon Ju-Ri run the games. 
Yeah, back whoever that is. Just no, get let that Dongan, guy in there. Let Dongan run the games, and then every episode, Dealer Nuna can run and be like, Jingle Yeah! <laughs> Jingle Yeah! That's great. Yeah, I like that. All right, Dealer Nuna. Yeah, all right. You know, you know she's going to bust out in the, uh, the first round. That's just how these things go. I don't know if you remember, Kaz, that uh, after, like, years of the World Poker Tour, they finally got Mick Sexton shoehorned into, like, a, they did, like, a special six-player uh, tournament that was, like, uh, for a seat in the, the, the Tour Championship at the Bellagio, and it was all authors of poker books. So Sexton was on there because he had just written a book, and then he was out in, like, ten minutes, and he was back at the booth with Vince. Well, in fairness to the WPT, they give you, like, three big blinds to start the tournament, so that's not surprising. Uh, I think it was two and a half big blinds. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Do they still do I haven't watched that in forever. Do they still, like, alter the, the tournament structure? Like, they get to that point, and they're like, all right, the blinds are much higher all of a sudden because we're down to six. I, I watched about five minutes of the WPT ten years ago and have stopped, so I couldn't tell you. Sure, sure. Um, all right, so we've got that cast. That's very good. Uh... Oh, I've got one more that I want to wedge in there somehow if we can. Sure. How about you, Young? Okay. I guess. I don't know that she was great TV. Like, I wish she would have been a little more entertaining. I think she's a good player. Yeah, I, that's kind of what I'm aiming for here. I mean, if we're going purely on entertainment, I think we've got a good cast. Uh, but I think she she's a good player. But, I mean, we can leave it as is. I just kind of like throwing her out there because I think she's very good. Sure. Um, yeah, I, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I'll take it. I'm all for getting more, you know, skilled, entertaining women on the show. It makes for a better show. Yeah. All right. Um, sure. Okay. So we've got this cast. Just send this off to. Uh, uh, I wish I could remember the names of the producers. No, no. I take that back. I don't wish I could. I don't. I don't care that much. I guess. Um, that's fine with me. Not knowing. And the winner of the season, obviously, is Sangman, right? Every time. Uh, yeah, Sangman Kyunghoon final two. Anyone down for that? Wouldn't that be great, though? It would just be a great story. You get all these people down, Sangman back in the finals against Sangman, former Sangman's dog. be a good time. But now we are just literally, I am just writing fan fiction about a Korean celebrity game show, so that'd be time to move on. <laughs> all right. Uh, do we have anything else on the table, or can I get back to the Kickstarter just for a minute? No, I, I think you're good to go. Koss? No, I'm good. I just want to say, as someone who has already pledged for the Kickstarter and would love to have these cards, please, please get... Scott, to his goal of uh, whatever, 3500 please. Uh, I would love to have this playing with my office mates. Yeah, I mean, so we have about 1,000 people a week who consistently listen to this podcast, and the numbers change depending on who our guest is. So, like, this week we're probably down in the in the single digits. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, but, like, you know, we have a pretty good reach. It's, it's only going to take, if, if half, because of the way shipping costs work and how Kickstarter calculates them, if, if half of the orders come domestically from the U.S. and half are international, it only takes 100 people to pledge uh, the $25 to get both games for the Kickstarter to go. So it's not a ton of people. Um, so, you know, if you want to play the Genius at Home, this is a really easy way to do it. These two games are games that are very simple to learn. Uh, you know, the idea was, like, with my wife, you know, what, what can I get my wife to play in, like, her limited free time? Like, what's a good game she can learn quickly, she can play for a few minutes... She'll enjoy it enough that it's not like I'm just harassing her to play uh, a card game. Um, so, you know, these games are being printed professionally. You know, they have a real card company making them. Uh, so they're going to be really nice cards. It's really fun the way that the, the, uh, the deduction, the, my take on the black and white game works. It's a lot of fun to play. Um, and that's, that's one that, like, a lot of people who I know who aren't really games players who have been visiting us at the hospital, you know, I've been challenging them to it, just sort of play testing it, and they just they love it. 
Um, I haven't gotten into it as much with Racing Stripe just because you need more space to lay it out on a table and play it, and we haven't had that at the hospital. But it's just, you know, you'll have it, you can play it. It's really simple to do. Kids can play it. Um, and just the natural structure of deduction is that when you when you play correctly with like with good strategy, you'll win most of the time. But there's no perfect way to play the game because it's a leveling game. So ultimately, if you teach your eight-year-old how to play it, they'll beat you sometimes, even if you're really trying hard to beat them. So um, you know, it's it's a game you can really play against anybody. It's a lot of fun. And go to thegreatscott.com/games for that shortcut to the Kickstarter. Uh, please pledge it. It'll be a lot of fun. We're going to get the cards printed. The Kickstarter wraps up, um, I believe, in very early October. Um, but at that point, you can no longer pledge. But do it now before you forget. Do it right now. $25 plus shipping. Uh, once I have the Kickstarter confirmed, once it goes, I'll put in the order from the printer. We'll have the cards, um, and you will you should have them before Halloween. So it should be pretty quick. You'll be playing these games at home. Um, plenty of time if you want to get it as a gift for someone for the holidays. So uh, that's my pitch. Please, please, please support it. Um, I have a new daughter now. I want to send her to college. And uh, um, based on the cost of a semester in Korea, uh, this Kickstarter should be enough. So. And this way you don't have to buy your kids Legos. They can just play black and white monorail from their own home. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I want to actually do a video um, to show how simple the games are of, of playing it with my daughter, um, who is, again, uh, about 28 hours old right now. So <laughs> That would be convincing. That would, be convincing. <laughs> that would prove anyone can play. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah, please, please log on, support the Kickstarter. I really appreciate it. Um, I believe that's it. You guys have anything else for for this evening? No, nope, just looking forward. Same here. Go Kyunghoon. Looking forward to the finale. Should be a blast. Great. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, thanks for for meeting my schedule tonight for Genius Cast with Scott and Mike. I'm Scott. Twitter at who is Scott Green. Mike is at Michael Botta. B O T T A. Cos is at uh, something. Else. I am the Cos. Yep, that's it. I A M T H E K O S. So make sure you follow us, tweet us, whatever. I mean, we're all desperate for attention, so that's that's great. Yep, and, and check uh, out Casa's uh, Quantum Leap Survivor podcast. It was a great. Yes, time. oh, it was a lot of fun. You're you're gonna be you're gonna be sitting there giggling to yourself, um, and uh, people are gonna wonder what is wrong with you. And the answer is, I am listening to a podcast simply because it has secret references to a Korean celebrity reality game show that I watch with subtitles. I actually like to think of it more as a genius podcast where I reference Survivor stuff than the reverse. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that, that's a much more fulfilling way to do it, and it, it feels like less of a waste of time and quantum leaping in the Survivor, although it was a fun podcast. And uh, uh, yeah, but anyway, so... Uh, and I used to love Quantum Leap. I watched it with my dad when I was a little kid, so I was really happy to hear it get, get some uh, discussion on our app. So, for Genius Cast, I'm Scott, he's Mike, and over there somewhere is Kaz. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Have a great one. Fighting! <laughs>